On this episode of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast, we look back at the Terps' series loss to the Minnesota Golden Gophers over the weekend. Then we break down the Terps' Big Ten tournament scenarios as Maryland sits in 10th place in the conference at the moment and just a half game back of the number eight spot and the final spot in the Big Ten tournament field. Plus, we are joined by Zach Mackey, the voice of the Iowa Hawkeyes, who helps us break down the Terps series with Iowa this weekend at the Bob and what is a pivotal regular season-ending series for the Terps. Here we go. This is the Maryland Baseball Network Podcast. Here's your host, Connor Newcomb. Welcome in to episode number 69 of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and this time a special guest. We are joined by today's co-host, Taylor Smythe, who we couldn't go episode number 69 without having on. So, Taylor, welcome back to the podcast. It's great to be here, Connor. It's a really nice ride we're taking down to James Madison right now, so really no better place to record episode 69 of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. I mean, we've pretty much, we're on this stretch now where we only do this on the bus now. This is the official spot of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast is the table on the team bus. Table gang uh, or die. As we make our way to James Madison for a midweek game that um, does not mean a lot to the Terps at the moment, but uh, they're going to play the game anyway and try to win the game. Absolutely. You would try to win every game. Uh, you can test, Connor. That's uh, how sports works. So yes. that's what the Terps are going to do. Yes. And uh, you're going to make the most of your time here and record this podcast as we go into the final four regular season games of Maryland's season. Now, no one will hear this until we only have three regular season yeah. games left, but there are four left right now <laughs> as we talk. Well, there were three over the weekend in Minnesota, Taylor, and the Terps came in with a chance to set themselves up pretty well for the Big Ten tournament, a road series and a place where the Terps have had a lot of success this season is on the road, especially in Big Ten play. Had won every single previous Big Ten road series, the three against Illinois, Northwestern, and Penn State coming into the weekend. And things started off the same way they had in all of those previous road series. The Terps taking game number one of the series, which has been so pivotal for Maryland this season. And the Terps took it 7-3 to three on Friday night, and Taylor Hunter Parsons was back doing Hunter Parsons things. He allowed just three runs over seven innings on six hits, struck out eight and walked three. He was great, had just the one little scab on his line, the two runs in the third inning, but other than that, dominated the Minnesota offense. Yeah, pitched very, very well in a matchup that was expected to be between Hunter and Minnesota ace Max Meyer. Now, obviously, Meyer, as is well documented, was hurt in the first inning of that game, which helped out the Maryland offense, but the Maryland offense did what it had to do against the rest of the Minnesota pitching. But Hunter was very, very good, did exactly what you want an ace to do on Friday night, gave the Terps strong innings, worked out of a couple of jams, limited the damage, and gave the offense a chance to work, which they did a really good Friday night win, a complete team win for the Terps. Yeah, it was a big win, but on that Michael Pinero sack fly in the first inning where Max Meyer trips on the bat and has to leave the game, just kind of felt like the air came out of the stadium, and while that was a bad break for Minnesota, Maryland took advantage. Exactly, and and even if when your ace, obviously when your ace starter gets hurt, that's a terrible thing, but Minnesota had a lot of game to play there. It was only with well, one or two outs in that inning, um, and and at that point, you still have a lot of ways to get back in the game. And Minnesota brought in a guy in, in Lackney who was there Friday night starter to begin the season, so certainly didn't punt the game at all. Um, the Terps offense did a good job continuing to score um, and allowing Hunter Parsons to pitch with the league, which he did very effectively. Andrew Bell comes in, pitches a scoreless eighth, and the Sheriff closes it out in the ninth, John Murphy. Yeah, Michael Pinero, who we mentioned, had a big game, three RBIs, a sack fly in the first, an RBI double in the third, an RBI walk. In the fourth, we, we brought a former Terp, Blake Schmidt, onto the broadcast in the fourth, and he delivered us three runs in the top of the fourth inning as the Terps took a 5-2 to two lead. They would not relinquish in the game. In the seventh, two more runs came across. Sack fly from McGuire and an RBI single from Bednar, but it was a 7-3 to three victory for Maryland, setting themselves up very well to win the series, taking game one. And winning the series in Minneapolis would have put the Terps in a very good position going forward but into game number two which was the national television game for the Terps this year on the Big Ten Network and Zach Thompson got the start and although by the end 
His line was pretty solid, Taylor. The first inning was not on the mound for Juice. Yeah, tough start. Five singles for Minnesota, combined with some defensive blunders from the Maryland defense, uh, led to that four-run first for Minnesota. And it's always tough to give up a four spot in the first on the road and come back and win the game. And while the Terps did eventually get back into the game, making it 5-3 after seven and a half innings, bullpen gives it up in the bottom of the eighth inning. And ultimately, Minnesota kind of cruised uh, with that last three outs in the top of the ninth against the Terps. But Zach Thompson really, really battled, I think, I think Juice obviously had that struggles, and they gave up the, the solo home run. But after that, he was very, very good, efficient with the pitch count, um, and gave the Terps a chance to win, kept them in the game. Maxwell Costas hits the solo home run in the second inning to give the Terps a little bit of momentum. But I think one of the biggest hits of the game is the Eli Wilson solo home run in the bottom of the second, just to quell that Maryland momentum and give Minnesota back that four-run lead, kind of just um, – shut down that Maryland offense that really didn't do much of anything until the eighth inning. Um, got it together, couldn't get the big hit to get the tie or get the lead. Um, and then ultimately Minnesota does a good job at home, uh, roughs up that Maryland bullpen and uh, takes the win pretty easily. You talk about that home run from Wilson that put the Gophers up 5-1 to one in the second. That was the last hit Zach Thompson would allow in that game. He ended up putting up five straight zeros after that. His final line, seven innings, five runs, but only three of them earned on six hits four K's in a walk he really settled down and just breezed through innings three through seven and of course the Terps got a little bit back in the eighth as you talked about an RBI single from Randy Bednar and an RBI single from Maxwell Costas but Minnesota went to the closer Schultz and he was able to get the final couple of outs in the eighth and then in the bottom of the eighth inning to Turnbull Sean Fisher had a little bit of trouble and Minnesota jumped back on the Terps they really had two four-run innings, the first and the eighth, and that was the huge difference in the game. Minnesota winning it 9-3, to three. And, and the other big storyline of the game is the Terps thought they were facing Sam Thorison in that game. All of a sudden, Thorison can't go, and a spot start is made by the 2018 Big Ten Pitcher of the Year. It's not usually a guy you're going to see in a spot-starting situation, but they saw, saw Patrick Fredrickson, and although he only went four and two-thirds, I thought he looked pretty good out there, not Big Ten pitcher of the year level, but he looked like he's kind of making his way back from Minnesota. Yeah, I think you'd always rather face the guy that hasn't been named the Big Ten pitcher of the year because you knew at some point Patrick Fredrickson was going to refine the form and had, for the most part, his relief outings prior to coming out of that start. And I think now with Meyer gone, I think if you look at Minnesota's starting rotation, I would imagine Fredrickson will be back in there this weekend. Could even see the guy start on Friday. You never know how they're going to shift their rotation around now. But I would think he would now be the main starter for Minnesota. There's really no reason not to throw him back into that spot, considering Minnesota doesn't really have a ready-made replacement in Lackney. Uh, we did, we'll get to this third game, but obviously Culliver, Culliver pitched very well. I was impressed by him, but yeah, that's a tough uh, guy to prepare for that quickly, um, especially with what he can do with his changeup. And we'll talk about it a little later, but the Terps are going to be cheering for Minnesota this weekend against Northwestern, and you have to think Fredrickson might be the Friday guy, and if Thorison's okay, he might stay Saturday, Culliver stays Sunday, and they have Lackney as well. But Maybe you bridge Lackney and Fredrickson together. That might be the formula there. It could be the formula as well. But the series was still tied, and the Terps still had a chance to get a huge road series win. And going into Sunday's game, I mean, it was the biggest game of the season for Maryland. We talked about it. A win would have put them into seventh in the Big Ten standings. A loss would have put them in the tenth heading into the final weekend, which is a huge gap in your positioning. And, well, in this game, the Terps offense went quiet early. As you said, Joshua Culliver got the start. He went five and two-thirds scoreless against the Terps. Then they turned it over to Ryan Duffy, who went two and a third scoreless. And all of a sudden, the Terps didn't score in the first eight innings. For Maryland pitching, Tyler Bloom was solid. He went three and a third, came out of the game. Trevor Labonte, who kind of lost that Sunday starting role, came in. And I think Labonte was really the big positive out of this Sunday game for Maryland. He came out of the bullpen after losing that weekend rotation spot and was absolutely dominant keeping Maryland in the game. Yeah, retired the last 13 batters he faced and Blom exited in a little bit of trouble, but I think you have to give Tyler some credit. Worked through. I think Minnesota did a very good job elevating Blom's pitch count early in the game, fighting off a lot of uh, put-away pitches from Tyler. And um, But f he fought well in his first weekend start of the year. Tough position to be put in. Pressure-packed spot as the Terps fight for positioning in the Big Ten tournament. Pitched pretty well, and then I thought Trevor was absolutely fantastic keeping Maryland in the game. Kept it to that two-run uh, game throughout. Maryland's offense just really couldn't get it going. Had a couple of chances. Uh, had the inning where... You, uh, Bubba leads it off with the double. Um, you have the walk after that from, from or the hit by the pitch, excuse me, to Cows, and you feel like you have something going. A.J. Lee unable to get the bunt down, and then Bubba runs you out of that inning, so they lose that opportunity. And then you'll get to it a little bit, Connor, and then you go to the ninth. Randy Bednar hits the solo home run to make it a 2-1 game. You have the Taylor right double. Maxwell Cost hit by a pitch, and you feel like maybe you're going to be able to take the lead. 
once again, Michael Panera not able to put the bunt down. He strikes out. Justin Vogt strikes out. And then you put the freshman Josh McGuire in a tough spot, grounds out to shortstop. So Maryland had chances, even in a game where their offense didn't really show up uh, for most of the game, just ultimately weren't able to get it done and puts themselves in a more precarious position for this weekend. Yeah, the two runs on Sunday for Minnesota came in the fourth. Blome left the game first and third, one away in a 0-0 game. Levante came in. There was a sacrifice fly on the first pitch that made it 1-0. Then a wild pitch and a single made it 2-0. The final line for Blome, three and a third, two runs, one earned on four hits, four Ks and two walks. Then Labonte out of the bullpen was stellar, retired the final 13, as you said. He goes four and two-thirds out of the pen, no runs on one hit, four Ks and no walks. And, and now this gives you, you know, a good op option going into next weekend, as we'll talk about. Um, Labonte and Blome both seem like viable options for Sunday. And, and depending on which game turns into somewhat of a must-win, Taylor. You know, let's say the Terps take game one against Iowa this weekend, and they feel like if they can win game number two, they're going to get into the Big Ten tournament, and Zach Thompson maybe gets into a little bit of trouble. You feel like you can bring in Labonte at this point and have him, you know, bridge some long relief either on Saturday or Sunday this weekend against the Hawkeyes. Yeah, absolutely. It gives your your a little bit more depth uh, to your pitching staff. Obviously, Trevor Cummins is a long man. If you have to bridge off one of your starters that struggles, um, but yeah, that's definitely a big positive to take from that game. I think a, a couple other positives to take from the weekend. Taylor Wright's back got back going a little bit. A couple multi-hit games to end his weekend. Um, the double in the ninth inning was a, a really really good swing. Hit that in the gap. Um, and you really need him to get going coming down the stretch. Maryland's top four or five guys in that lineup have to do a good job. And, and obviously you have Trevor Labonte, who pitched very well. And then I think Hunter looked a little sharper than he has over the last weeks. Looked sharp against that Penn State team, but Penn State can't hit. So it's kind of <laughs> tough to grade a starting pitcher against a team like that. But um, against a team like Minnesota in their home ballpark where there's a, you know, a, we talked about how it got seeped out, the atmosphere there, but a decent crowd on a, on a Friday on a, on a Friday night. Hunter pitched very well, so he's going to have to pitch well against a really good Iowa team coming up this weekend. And, and finishing off that series in the ninth inning, you talked about, you know, the Terps are down 2 nothing. The closer, Schultz, comes in after Ryan Duffy was just getting everyone out. I kind of questioned that decision from John Anderson, and, you know, it was a little bit of a questionable decision, it turned out, because Schultz gets hit around. Bednar leads it off with a solo homer, right doubles. Maxwell Costas hit by a pitch. And the Michael Paneros ahead 3-0 and in the count. You almost feel like the Terps are going to load the bases with no outs down 2-1. to But Schultz comes back and gets Panero to strike out, strikes out vote, and then McGuire bounces out. And it was kind of a deflating end of that series when, you know, it started feeling like that Illinois Friday night game when the Terps offense just wasn't there for eight innings against Andy Fisher and then down 2 nothing in the ninth, they score four runs and take the lead. It kind of started feeling like that was going to happen again, but it was a deflating loss, and to have that be the series loss and the Terps end up in 10th does put them in a little bit tougher spot going into this weekend. Yeah, but the, the one thing is, and, and we'll obviously get into these Big Ten scenarios, is the only way you can get into a tournament like this is to win games. And now Maryland has three games that has the potential to win at home. And you can go back, obviously, and look at games against Minnesota now, a game against Penn State you think you should have won, maybe a game against Ohio State where you blew a lead. But at this point, you still have everything in front of you. Um, if Maryland wins two or three games, even though they technically don't control their own destiny, that should basically get them into the tournament unless results just go awfully their way and then at that point if results go your way you can only blame yourself for the position you're in and you've d you if you do your own job and things don't go your way it is what it is at least you went out and won the games and that's what Maryland has to do at this point you kind of have to flush everything that's happened in this season up to this point and learn from the mistakes you've made in the past um, flush out the negative feelings and, and go in with a positive outlook look you'd rather be as much as Maryland has success on the road you want to be in your home ballpark um, with the chance to get to the Big Ten term. That's what Maryland has. Iowa's a really good team who's fighting for a whole lot, but the Terps have a lot to fight for as well. So the Terps will go into this weekend 9-12 and 12 in the Big Ten. They currently sit in 10th place in the standings. Ohio State's in 9th, also 9-12. and 12, But, of course, the Buckeyes won 2-3 of three in College Park, so they had the tiebreaker. Rutgers sits in the 8th spot right now at 9-11. and 11. They've played one less game because their Game 3 against Penn State last week ended up not happening so we'll see how much that affects the standings they have one last game and then northwestern sits in seventh they're 10 and 11 iowa still technically has not clinched a spot they're 12 and 9 that's who the turfs play this weekend they sit in six but they only need one win to clinch a spot in the big 10 tournament but if the turfs could pull off a sweep iowa would be in trouble as well and that's kind of where we start is you know everyone kind of looking for all right what's the scenario and as you said you know, it's not a win and in technically, but 
if Maryland goes 3-0 and this weekend and wins all three games against the Hawkeyes, they don't really need too, too much help to get into the Big Ten tournament. It'll, it'll basically take, for the Terps, they would get to 12-12, and and it would basically take one loss by Rutgers, really, and, and that would almost about do it, or one loss by Ohio State, and that would just about do it for the Terps. The official scenarios, you look at Minnesota winning at least a game against Northwestern, Indiana winning at least one game against Rutgers, and Purdue winning at least one game against Ohio State. A Terp sweep gets them as high as sixth in the standings. So you do feel like, as you said, while it's not automatic, if you win three, Terps are probably going to Omaha. Yeah, absolutely. And then you kind of just deal with whatever your seating is at that point. If you're Maryland, you can't really like you can't really worry about your seating because you put yourself in the position where you're just trying to get in. Um, so you can't really look at sixth, seventh, eighth. You're just trying to figure out a way to get in. But yeah, if you go three and zero. Oh, I would just, <laughs> I would be stunned if Indiana didn't win a game against Rutgers this weekend with the Big Ten championship on the line for them. I would be stunned if Minnesota didn't beat that Northwestern team, a team that doesn't feel like it has the pitching depth to sweep a quality team. Now, there's a, definitely a scenario in which Ohio State sweeps Purdue, a team that's really kind of falling apart at the seams over the past couple of weeks. Um, I honestly, when you look at Rutgers, I think Rutgers is going to really regret not trying to play that game against Penn State because they need an extra win. They really need a win. And normally you would say that just having that one less game and taking the game potentially out of the loss column helps you get into a tournament like this. But now when you're staring into the barrel of Indiana, who rakes and has a ton on the line, can win the Big Ten regular season, if Michigan just slips up once on the road against Nebraska, which is not going to be any easy task um, for the Michigan Wolverines with the Nebraska crowd that is going to be absolutely fired up for that series, um, that's going to be a really tough, tough task for the Scarlet Knights. Um, so I don't I don't really know why they didn't get that game in or try to figure out a way to schedule it on the weekend, but that's the issue with those teams and the issue with Ohio State not being able to close that a Northwestern team at home with a chance to do something their program's never done. That's on Rutgers. But um, it'll be very interesting to watch these other series, but if you're Maryland, you, you really can't look at them. You just got to keep playing your own game because if you don't win the games against Iowa, it doesn't really matter. As Connor will go, it continues to get harder yeah. and harder as you win less and less games. It does get harder, but I think the, the best thing about the sweep, Taylor, is not only – are you basically in? If the Terps sweep, there is a very, very good chance that as long if they do win those three games, they're probably going to end up sixth in the standings because they're going to pass Iowa. Both teams would end up 12 and 12, and the Terps would have the tiebreaker. So they would get all the way up to sixth, which means you most likely avoid Indiana and Michigan in the first round, a couple of teams that have offenses who have really beaten around the Terps this year. So you can avoid those two teams, so a sweep would be fantastic. Now, you know... The issue is this Iowa team not only playing to get into the Big Ten tournament, they are playing for their NCAA tournament lives. They had a tough series loss at home this weekend against Michigan State. They dropped their RPI all the way into the low 70s, which means they need some big road wins and some big Big Ten tournament wins to get themselves back in that conversation. So they'll be playing for a lot, which takes me to the next scenario, which seems a lot more likely that would still get the Terps in. That's a two-in-one weekend against the Hawkeyes. That's really still a solid recipe to get Maryland into the Big Ten tournament if the Terps can take two of three from Iowa at the Bob this weekend. It would get the Terps to 11-13 and 13 in conference play, which, you know, some years does do it for you. Some years you need 12 wins, but it seems like 11 wins in the Big Ten is going to get the Terps in this year. And there are two scenarios in which the Terps would finish in seventh if they go two-and-one, but it's more likely finishing eighth and and if the Terps do lose a game this weekend that's when you really have to start looking around the Big Ten if there's a sweep you don't really need to worry too much but if the Terps do lose at least one game that's when you start scoreboard watching and and the teams that are really right in there are Rutgers Northwestern and Ohio State you really have to worry about for Rutgers you're basically if you're Maryland in any of these scenarios or in most of these scenarios you're hoping the Indiana Hoosiers can handle their business three games in Bloomington Indiana playing for a chance at the Big Ten regular season title. And you can't count on other teams, but you kind of have to feel like if you're any of these teams chasing that number eight seed, you feel good that eighth place Rutgers is going on the road to Indiana in its final series. Yeah, for sure. It's good. As, we, as I just talked about, going to be an incredibly tough, tough series for Rutgers. That Indiana crowd will be out in full force. That team really hits at that home ballpark. Rutgers does not hit at all, at least 
<laughs> when we watched their Northwestern series against the team that Maryland really raked against all weekend long against that pitching stuff. Rutgers could essentially get nothing going. Um, they won the final game, but only scored five runs, did nothing in big situations in a home series that was one of the biggest series they've had since coming into the Big Ten. Honestly, if I was if I was watching Rutgers as a fan, I would have been a little disappointed um, by the result there because you just have so much there if you're Rutgers that you know obviously that coaching staff head coach Joel Terry has been there for a little bit you want to get into that Big Ten tournament show you're making that progress that's such a tough series loss for them and they do have good starting pitching Rutgers Tevin Murray's very good Rutkowski is very good it's just a question of can they get the runs to overcome Indiana who I think once they get those guys out of the game, even if they struggle, and Indiana has struggled at times against a team like Penn State, who's got some pretty good starting pitching, you, once you get those guys out of the games, who does Rutgers have behind that? Against Northwestern, they didn't have a ton, so does then Indiana start to score? Um, that's going to be that's a, just a tough matchup for Rutgers, so you do feel good about that. Terps just played this Minnesota team that's playing Northwestern. Northwestern does get that game at home. Now, with that said, Northwestern's home atmosphere is not necessarily going to be that intimidating to play in, but they should have a pretty good crowd for a series that's going to be pretty big. And this Northwestern team has had a knack over the last few years for playing very well down the stretch. The other team that's had a knack for playing very well down the stretch has been Purdue, who played very well down the stretch to make the Big Ten tournament a couple of years ago in 2017 when the Terps played them and then played incredibly well down the stretch last year to make the NCAA tournament and make a run to the Big Ten final. So Mark Wazikowski and that staff are used to getting their guys to play well. Now, with that said, they went on the road to Illinois, tough series, mind you, and got swept. So they are now in a very precarious position. Um, so they're going to have to play very, very well this weekend to beat an Ohio State team that I was very impressed by their starting pitching for the most part. Um, and their offense with Dominic Canzone, you know that guy wants to go to the Big Ten tournament before he leaves, I'm assuming he leaves for the MLB draft. He is one of the leading cancer Big Ten player of the year. So all of those teams have something to play for. It's very interesting. And as you talked about, Minnesota has an outside chance to jump into the Big Ten championship conversation. They also want to get a top three seed um, to avoid having to play a team like Michigan or a team like Indiana in the second round. So Yeah, it's going to be a big weekend for them. And, and you know, we just we talk about Rutgers than Indiana, and you don't want to brush it off, but you just feel like we're a little more focused on the other series, and it's that Minnesota-Northwestern series that's so big because Minnesota's in the Big Ten tournament. They've clinched, but as you said, they can move the seeding up, and if things break their way, could potentially still have a chance to win the Big Ten regular season crown, although it's unlikely. But that Minnesota-Northwestern series is huge. Northwestern is 10-11 and 11 right now in the conference, and the Terps are 9-12. and 12. But remember, Maryland has the tiebreaker over the Wildcats right now after taking two of three at Northwestern a couple of weeks ago. So in this scenario where the Terps do, do go 2-1 and one this weekend, if Northwestern only gets one game against Minnesota, that would jump the Terps ahead of Northwestern, who currently sits in 7th, which would be huge for the Terps if they can get above the team that sits right now three spots ahead of them. And if you can get yourself above Rutgers and above Northwestern after that weekend, that's why 2-1 and one puts the Terps in such a good position. And then, of course, the other series you talked about, which is the Ohio State and Purdue series this week, and that, those games being played in West Lafayette, Ohio State at Purdue, such a big series because, A, Purdue still has an outside chance. They're 7-13. and 13. The top 12 teams in the conference are still alive. The only team that's been eliminated is Penn State at 4-18. and 18. They play out of conference against Arizona this weekend, so it actually works out really well. The 12 teams that are still alive are the 12 teams playing in the Big Ten. Penn State out of there, playing out of conference, hosting Arizona. We'll Who knows why? We don't care. Yeah. That's good for the Big Ten. Michigan, or excuse me, Purdue plays <laughs> against Ohio, plays against Ohio State, and Purdue, if they can win all three of those games, still has an outside chance at ten and thirteen to get themselves in. So does Michigan State because ten and thirteen better than ten and fourteen. Michigan State also seven and thirteen plays Illinois. They could win three games. Ten and thirteen, well, they probably not. Ten and thirteen better than ten and fourteen because Michigan State and Purdue, like Rutgers, have played one less game than everybody else because of weather. And now it might help them out in the end if, you know, a team like Maryland goes 1-2 and two or a team like Northwestern goes 0-3. But there's a lot of scenarios there. But you're looking at Ohio State. You're looking at Northwestern. If the Terps finish tied with Ohio State, of course, the Buckeyes have the tiebreaker after beating the Terps 2 out of 3. Terps finish tied with Northwestern. The Terps have the tiebreaker. The crazy thing happens if all three end up tied. Northwestern, Ohio State, and Maryland. This is where we get into the weeds, and if you really want to read about this one, head over to the MarylandBaseballNetwork.com. Yours truly writing the cheat sheet 
for the Big Ten tournament clinching scenarios is up on the website now. But if the three teams finish tied, if they all have played each other, which they have, you go in and look at the series records when all those teams have played each other. So the record for Maryland against Northwestern and Ohio State, the record for Ohio State against Northwestern and Maryland, and the record for Northwestern against Maryland and Ohio State. In those games, Northwestern is 4-2, and two, the Terps are 3-3, three and three, and the Buckeyes are 2-4. and four. So if all three of those teams finish tied, as Taylor is just staring <laughs> em- with some emptiness at me trying to get this through his mind right now, if those three teams finish tied, the Terps and Northwestern have the best record in that trio, would move up, and then because the Terps have the tiebreaker over Northwestern, Maryland would end up with the best seed out of those three. That's how I spent my entire day yesterday figuring that out. But that gets the Terps in. Thoughts on that, Taylor? It is. I mean, look, I mean, that would be an unbelievable scenario. I mean, it would be what national news, national news that that went on. Wow, Connor, you got a really had a really exciting Monday as Evan Lovato jumps back on the phone here. Our athletic <laughs> trainer guys on the phone just way too much. Live just updates live from the bus. Live updates from the bus. Um, yeah, I mean, that would be that would be something. I mean, I guess you obviously then you, I guess, thank Northwestern for sweeping Ohio State. Really amazing how those two yeah, series. Went. That's that's what makes it dip- if Northwestern went to Ohio State and swept them. Maryland went to Northwestern and took two out of three, and Ohio State went to Maryland and took and took two out of three. Crazy how the Big Ten has gone this season. It's really an amazing, you know, to take it back off the, the big scenarios. It's really an amazing weekend for Big Ten baseball in terms of all the different things that can happen. Um, for example, BTN is broadcasting on Saturday, broadcasting both Michigan's game and Indiana's game. Both those teams could theoretically lift the Big Ten trophy on that day. Minnesota, if things go crazy, could also lift the Big Ten trophy. I believe Nebraska can also win the Big Ten championship, so you could theoretically, with some crazy scenarios involving Rutgers, now this is a scenario the Terps would not want because that would involve Rutgers winning games against Indiana. But you could have Nebraska in front of a crowd of 8,000 people winning the Big Ten championship. And they play Michigan, so they, they, can, Michigan, they can so catch they can the Wolverines. That. They yeah. can do that, and they just need – they just are just going to be sending players to Rutgers from Lincoln, Nebraska. <laughs> Putting them in Scarlet yeah, Knight uniforms. To play, for, to play for Rutgers to beat Indiana. But it's really – and then you have all of this stuff going on in the bottom half of the conference. Really no team has a scenario in which they're kind of just standing pat and just playing. You have the teams at the top, and then, as you said, Iowa can even drop all the way back down out of the conference. They can go. They can far as, fall as, be as far as ninth. And, and so really, speaking of Iowa, because obviously you have to kind of go into previewing them for this weekend, they are, were really the darlings of college baseball last week after their series win over UC Irvine at home because of the incredible resume they put together both in conference and out of conference in terms of series wins. Rick Heller's a very well-liked guy around college baseball, and they lost both of their two assistant coaches two weeks before the season, which is insane. Iowa is also a very hard place to win because there's no like central recruiting base around that campus. It's hard to find midweek opponents there. So what Rick Heller's done there is incredible, and the fact that they were potentially making a run at the NCAA tournament with a team that really doesn't have the star power like their team two years ago with Jake Adams, the Big Ten Player of the Year. They're making the Cinderella run, and they go into this series against Michigan State, and you think, oh, man, this is perfect. You go into your final home weekend. You have this Michigan State team that has struggled mightily, mightily, mightily all season long. And then Michigan State shows up, loses the first game, and then wins the last game. And keeps their Big Ten tournament hopes alive. Keeps their Big Ten tournament hopes alive and sends Iowa down 25 spots in the RPI, sending them out of at-large contention after all that they've done. They now are on the outside looking in the NCAA tournament because you cannot get in with a 71 RPI in the Big Ten. It is not happening. I don't care who you've beaten out of conference. So they've done that to themselves, and now they come into a, ga- a series on the road against Maryland, top 100 RPI, 84. Now, Terps have a losing record, so that would hurt Iowa a little bit, but the 84 RPI, you can gain three top 100 road wins, which potentially jumps your RPI back up, and then you get in the Big Ten tournament, and you see what you can do. Iowa has everything to play for this weekend. They're not coasting in here after a sweep to Michigan State, patting themselves on the back, getting ready to plan their regional trip. Now they have it all to play for after doing so much work. That's the crazy part about college baseball, especially in a conference like the Big Ten, where you're not you're not like in the SEC and you can go weekend by weekend and get great RPI wins. You can't afford to get lose series at home when you're fighting for NCAA tournament contention in the Big Ten unless it's to one of the top three or four teams. And that series loss to Michigan State, is, there is no other way to put it, is an atrocity for Iowa. It's not good. I mean, it is not good. And they, they know that. They're not stupid. 
So now they come in with a ton of fire. You know they're going to get after it this week. They're playing Western Illinois today. They're going to get rid of that game. They need to win. Honestly, they need to win that game. They've got to win that game today on the road. And then they've got a really almost kind of a lose-lose scenario for really that is. game today. Yeah. And then they've got to now probably come and, and not. they've got to win the series, but they could really use a sweep. So they're going to come in here with a lot of energy. They're going to come in with it all to play for because a sw potentially a sweep and then maybe a, a one and two um, at the big tournament maybe still gets them into the NCAA tournament because you finish it a little bit stronger. You get a road sweep, and then you get some neutral site wins against all the teams in the Big Ten tournament that Iowa will play will be a good enough RPI, especially if they're the sixth seed and they play a three seed like Nebraska. That'll be a good win if they can get it. If they Even if they drop to the seventh seed, you can – but if they drop to the seventh seed, then they've lost a series to Maryland, then they're probably done. And that's what makes it very interesting uh, for the Terps. But they could do what they did in 2017, turn it around, just win the Big Ten tournament. They could do that as well. They could do that as well. And they've got, so they've got, I think, a team that could theoretically make a run, just looking at their stats. Honestly, Iowa team in the Big Ten, I've had followed a ton, but they just keep winning series when they have to. They're going to be a very tough out this weekend. Um, series wins over UC Irvine, Oklahoma State, those don't come when you're not a good team. They're a good team. They had a bad weekend against Michigan State at the worst time possible. Now they have to rebound. And and if they do rebound and come in and get a series against the Terps. Now, if Iowa sweeps this series, Maryland is eliminated. There is no scenario in which the Terps lose all three games and could still make the Big Ten tournament. However, if the Terps do struggle this weekend and but still get a victory and go one and two, similar to what they did against Minnesota last weekend, there are still a couple of scenarios that get the Terps in. And Maryland can actually finish as high as seventh still with a one and two weekend what a risk if there is a lot of losing around the Big Ten. All three scenarios that would get the Terps in at one and two need a couple of key things to happen. And those are two key sweeps. One of them, you need a Minnesota sweep over Northwestern. The other one, you need an Indiana sweep over Rutgers. If those things don't happen, the one and two dream is out. So, theoretically, if we go into Friday and the Terps lose and Northwestern wins or Rutgers wins on Friday, the Terps will already know after Friday that they have to win the next two games to get into the Big Ten tournament, which will make Friday still interesting despite nothing being con concretely decided except for maybe Michigan State and Purdue being eliminated if they both lose on Friday. And then at the bottom of those scenarios, you need potentially one of those bottom teams to make giant runs. You need a Purdue sweep maybe or a Michigan State sweep maybe that would get those one of those teams at 10 and 13 into 7th and the Terps into 8th at 10 and 14, having the tiebreaker over Northwestern and Ohio State. You can also have some weird stuff going on with Michigan State and Purdue. There's a chance that Michigan State and Purdue could both get into the tournament at 10 and 13, leaving Rutgers, Northwestern, Ohio State, and Maryland all out of there. That would be incredible. Which would be one of the more unbelievable storylines at the end of the Big Ten with those two teams just not showing up for about a month in Big Ten play and then making the <laughs> tournament. But that would take some big runs. But, again, one and two is a possibility, but the Terps would need Minnesota to sweep Northwestern and Indiana to sweep Rutgers. 0-3, oh, the Terps are eliminated this weekend. So basically, in summation for the Terps, 3-0, and oh, you're going to be in. 2-1, and one, you give yourself a good shot. So the Terps are going to go into this weekend like every other weekend, looking to win a series because a series win looks like it's going to put them 50% chance or better to make the Big Ten tournament. If Michigan State sweeps Illinois, I don't know anything about college <laughs> baseball. So... <laughs> That would, <laughs> I'm just looking at that part of the scenario sheet, and that would be incredible if Michigan State somehow swept Illinois, a team that's fighting to now potentially host a regional is apparently what they're talking about uh, uh, down there. Um, they are 21 in the RPI. They are 21 in the RPI. So what, now it seems like they might have to win the Big Ten tournament to host a regional. Probably. Though, yeah. I think they would either have to – I think they need to win three games this weekend and then get at least to the final, and that potentially puts them – and then it depends on who they, beats on the, who they beat on the road there as well. That's because, a team that the Terps have a road series win against. Yes, remember that. Yes. <laughs> um, and then you have – it's funny, and then you have all these teams. I, and I know we, Michigan, Nebraska doesn't matter, but Nebraska – can't afford to get swept because they're fighting to get into the NCAA tournament. Michigan doesn't have like, doesn't have the greatest RPI in the world, but you'd think if they won the Big Ten regular season, it doesn't matter. They'll get put in the tournament. They're Michigan. They've won a lot of games. They'll won forty. They'll won forty some odd games. They'll get in. It's just a, it's a crazy scenario. But yes, if you're Maryland, you go into this weekend, you win the series, whether that's a sweep or two games, and then you. You go from there. If you don't win a series at home with this on the line, quite frankly, you don't deserve to be in this tournament. So that's what you have to do.
and if it uh, it took you a while to process all of that, again, MarylandBaseballNetwork.com. Yeah, it's I'm, all written down. I don't have any. I just keep reading it because I can't process. It's it all written down. It's my plan, my plan, Taylor, for the weekend is. Maybe this is patting myself on my own back because I wrote this article. But I'm going to print it out and tape it up next to me at the Bob. <laughs> and when something, one domino falls that makes a scenario not possible, just going to cross it out. Yeah, I think that's going to go. Throughout, Can you do that live? On yeah, a- we're going to have that live on the air. <laughs> and we're just going to continue through the weekend crossing out scenarios. And hopefully, Taylor, by the time that Saturday's game ends, there will still be a couple scenarios on the piece of paper, which means the Terps will be headed to Omaha exactly for the right. Big Ten tournament. And and no no matter how they get in, Taylor, the Terps are trying to get in. It was obviously a disappointment for Maryland to miss the Big Ten tournament last year. I mean, that's the other big storyline here. The Terps, you know, have been it's been a back and forth season, but they had a back and forth season that ended really poorly last year. They went into the final series last year again, a little bit of a tougher scenario. They had to go on the road to Bloomington. They had just swept Rutgers to keep their season alive. And then we're going to Bloomington with a chance to play themselves into the Big Ten tournament and got swept. And obviously after that Friday game and the debacle that happened there with the benches clearing a little bit and balls being thrown behind players and people being ejected, it was a tough end to Maryland's season. So that's in the back of your head the way last season in a similar scenario ended. And the Terps just looking to end it with you know, a lot more confidence. And again, there's a chance that if the Terps win two out of three or even win three out of three, very unlikely, that they could still not make the Big Ten tournament because they're not locked in even if they do that. But you feel like you do that, you put yourself in a good position. And, you know, a couple of these games are on the Terps this year. The reason why they are still need help from other people. They had a four-run lead with one out and nobody on base in the eighth inning against Ohio State and lost that game. They lost a game to Penn State. Uh, I know they were down most of the game, but you know that's a series you feel like you maybe have to sweep. And then over, the, and then on Sunday against Minnesota, you get an incredible pitching performance, and the offense just doesn't wake up until the ninth inning. So you have these games you felt like you could have won to put yourself in better position. And you know it'll be great if the Terps can win two or three this weekend, but there's still a chance that if they go two and one, they still don't make the Big Ten tournament. And you don't want to be at a point where the Terps were last year where you're looking back on some games like the Jackson-McGowan game against Purdue and a couple other games and the the big Nebraska lead that they blew last year where you look back on it and go, wow, we had two wins locked up that we couldn't get, and that's not what we're, that's why we're not going to Omaha. And obviously the Terps just want to do enough where they don't have to sit back and think about those couple of games that they could have won. Yes. I can't say much better than that, yeah. Connor. You got it exactly right. You've got to come and you've got to win games to get into things like this, to play into the postseason got to win a certain amount of games big 10 tournament right now that's really where the terps focus on you can't focus on anything beyond that and right now you've got to focus on james madison in about four hours <laughs> got to win or lose to them do that and then you've got to focus on uh, what goes on next that's what happens in this game we do that and yeah. then, <laughs> then you've got to and you've got to and you've got to you're gonna have to play really well because i was a team that's going to be very well coached they're going to be very motivated, as we talked about. But Iowa consistently has been a thorn in the side for the Terps historically as well. Uh, went there in 2016, lost two out of three. Terps got blown out by the Hawkeyes in 2016 in the Big Ten tournament. Boat race 10-0 in the semifinals. Terps played Iowa. Um, Terps played Iowa in the Big Ten tournament once again in 2017, lost them, played them in 2015 at the Bob, lost the series. This has been a team that the Terps have struggled against historically, and now you can't really afford to struggle against them because you got to win to get yourself in the postseason play. And you want to get to the Big Ten tournament because you talked about those are a couple of losses, but in history since joining this conference, in the three times out of four that the Terps have made the Big Ten tournament, they've had some stellar moments in this tournament going to the final in their first year in 2015, the Mike Schwarren 16 strikeouts in 2016. In 2017, having the big double in the eighth inning that gave the Terps the lead over Purdue and getting to the semifinal round that year. So many good moments in the Big Ten tournament. Of course, the Terps want to have that happen again this year. But first, it's going to take some wins against the Hawkeyes this weekend. And to break down that Hawkeye team a little bit more, a team that's been had a, such a good season, but obviously, as we talked about, had a disappointing weekend against Michigan State last week. We were joined by the voice of Iowa baseball, Zach Mackey, who joined me this week to talk some Hawkeye baseball, break down this series with the Terps, and look at what this will mean for Iowa going forward with their NCAA tournament standing, and then what this team does well. They're kind of a team who pitches pretty well, hits pretty well, doesn't hit for a lot of power. They don't have the Jake Adams of the past. They have some more slap hitters, some guys who will move runners over. 
but they have four guys hitting over 300 in the lineup, have a solid starting rotation that's been Friday, Saturday, Sunday pretty much the entire season, and they play some solid defense as well. As Zach will talk about the bullpen, a little bit of an issue before they get to their closer right now, but overall a solid team trying to make it to the NCAA tournament. And here's my conversation with Zach Mackey as we break down the Terps' final regular season opponent in the Big Ten, the Iowa Hawkeyes. And the voice of Iowa baseball, Zach Mackey, joins us this week on the podcast. And Zach, thanks so much for taking some time out of your week. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. So I want to start, obviously, with this Iowa team and, and the recent success coming into at least last weekend. Overall at the moment, the Hawkeyes 30-19, and 12-9 in the conference. That sits sixth place in the Big Ten. But I, obviously a big weekend for the Hawkeyes last weekend at home against Michigan State, and it seemed like a, a pretty straightforward series for the team, one that many thought Iowa would sweep, kind of keep themselves alive for potentially a Big Ten title. And instead, they lost two of three at home to the Spartans. The RPI really took a hit. So, you know, around this team, what, what's the meaning of, of losing that series, at least in the big picture for Iowa? Well, you know, it's, it's just a really disappointing weekend. It really was uh, overall. I think you, you can't lose all hope, you know, and everything because uh, it is just one weekend. There's still a lot of baseball, and you still get a shot to, to play yourself back into it. But, uh, you know, things were lined up pretty nice for Iowa uh, going into that weekend. It's almost uh, the same characteristics as a season ago when uh, back in, in 2018, Iowa had that same type of situation, a chance at an at-large bid. They just beat Oklahoma State, and then uh, Turner Rock lost uh, two of three against Northwestern. And, you know, if the Michigan State team is playing their best baseball right now here in the month of May, there's three straight Big Ten series for them. Uh, you know they they're playing they're playing really well, but it was it was just overall kind of a disappointing run after after what's been uh, such a really good season. And I you know I think what a lot of people think is a team that that should be in in, in the field of 64 just from some of the series victories. But again, it's been weekends you know here or there a couple of them weekend like this in Iowa City that that could have the potential to keep them out. And obviously, if Iowa gets back to its winning ways, road series are always big, and obviously you get some good competition in the Big Ten tournament, which they haven't clinched yet, but one win this weekend or getting some other help, and Iowa will be headed to Omaha. And and after that weekend against Michigan State, Iowa's RPI drops to 79, so it does make it a little bit tougher for that NCAA tournament field. Is there sort of a feel around this team? Obviously, they feel that they are an NCAA tournament team. Is there kind of a feel knowing what they have to do in the end of the season to get back to the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I think so. You know, this is a, a senior-dominated group. We just had 13 of them on Sunday, and they're a team that's been in the NCAA field two years ago. They also know what it was like to just barely miss last year. Uh, so, you know, they get that feel. They know what they've got to do. Um, the RPI it is, it's so back and forth that I know everyone here in Iowa City continues each week just to kind of throw their hands up. You don't know where it's going to go or how it's going to maneuver itself. Uh, it's, uh, it's definitely not perfect, but it's one of the best representations, I guess, that we have. You know, it's a definitely determine who's going to get in and, and where they're going to stack up. Uh, so I think this is a team that, that really wants to still be able to play baseball in June. And, and to do that, they know they're going to have to get back hot here, get a couple of uh, get a couple of wins, move it along. You know, it's a Maryland team who, who much like Iowa, has something to fight for, and, and they know that for sure. And it's no matter where, you know, as you guys know, it's so hard to play on the road uh, in college baseball, especially in the Big Ten. So they're going to have their uh, hands full here this week. And it will be an interesting series, as you talked about. Maryland is playing for its Big Ten tournament lives right now. It's 10th in the conference, but just a half game back of a spot. Again, Iowa's probably in it. It's been an interesting year for Maryland. Uh, the Terps have eight, just eight wins at home this year, are 8-15. and 15, So seemingly something has to give. And, and Iowa's been pretty close to 500 on the road this year. And I know they got a huge road series win against Oklahoma State in the out-of-conference, but they also have struggled on the road at times, like against Indiana. So how has this team really played on the road as a whole this year? Well, you know, it, it started off quite rough at the beginning of the year. Uh, Iowa, you know, had a, had a losing record at home uh, after a, a couple of uh, road wins uh, in Big Ten country against Ohio State uh, and Purdue. That kind of helped bolster that up a little bit on the road. 
Iowa has been really, really solid at home this year. Uh, you know, coming into this weekend series against Michigan State, they were 19-5. So majority of those wins coming at home, uh, they really like the home type of feel. Granted, uh, the last couple of weekends have been better on the road, but there's still always a, a distinct advantage at, at playing at home for this group. And so looking at to break down this Iowa team, 12-9 and nine right now against sixth place in the Big Ten. And, and they're one of these teams right now in the Big Ten Conference who just has a lot of senior leadership, as you said. And they, and they just seem to be one of the solid overall all-around teams in the Big Ten. And I want to I start with the offense that has four guys right now hitting over 300 and all right around 300 at that. And, you know, looking up and down at the nine in this usual Hawkeye offense, is that kind of what you look like? You know, the Hawkeyes don't have the huge power guy with the double-digit homers but just a lot of guys that get on base and come up with big hits. No, absolutely. I think it's a, it's a lot different group. Uh, and uh, we've had the past, you know, you've had a couple of high draft guys, a couple of guys that uh, you knew that this team was going to rely on. If they get going, they get hot. Things are going to really start moving around. For this group, it's not so much that. Like you said, it's a, a really tight-knit group. Uh, in, the, in the four years I've been here, this is one of the tighter-knit groups uh, that I've seen just in terms of everyone liking each other, liking to get to the ballpark. Uh, you always hope for that, especially towards the end of the season. That's what hopefully it is going to play well. But, um, yeah, it is. It's a, it's a group that has a couple of guys that are contact hitters. They, they play a lot of small ball. They can move it around, you know, get uh, they'll bunch over to second base and then get a sacrifice and move them across or, or something like that. But like you said, they're not going to get a huge hitter or something uh, like I always had in the past for the most part. It's going to be more of that, um, you know, consistent trying to get that, that hit with the runner in scoring positions here or there. And, and for the most part, they play in a lot of low-scoring games, especially in the Big Ten. That's where Michigan State um, really relished just putting up uh, 12, 13 hits in every single game and, and get in scoring in multiple and at a 7, 8, 9 marks uh, in those games. I would just couldn't compete with on the weekend. You know, they're going to keep you more around a 4, 5, 6 type of range. That put up huge offensive numbers. And and sticking with the offense a little bit, you know, you talked about in the past they've had some guys, obviously Big Ten fans remember Jake Adams and the monster home runs he would hit a couple of years ago. But when this team, as you said, it plays more small ball, but when they do get the power, who, who does that come from in this Hawkeye lineup? Well, I think a lot of it has come from Ben Norman, uh, who is the only guy to appear in every single game, the starting center fielder. Uh, ben, just a junior this year, had a, had a really nice freshman year where he was an All-American. And then uh, sophomore year just went to that sophomore slump, couldn't really get into the lineup, couldn't get the bat going. And, and when you look at uh, you know Ben's overall batting average, he has struggled at times. I believe hitting somewhere around 240 overall, but he leads the team in RBIs, leads the team uh, with nine home runs as well. So he's a guy that uh, he, he comes up clutch. A lot of those base hits come with runners in scoring position. And it's a little bit skewed because when you look at his on-base percentage, he's walking, he's getting, uh, he's getting himself on base, putting the ball in play. Uh, so, you know, if he can get moving along, too, that'd be good for uh, for Iowa if he can get those those base hits here or there and help out that average a little bit. And and the offense, obviously, it's been all around pretty good, but, but moving over to the pitching staff, Iowa, another team, you know, there's some teams in the Big Ten this year who have funneled through some different weekend starters. It seems like the Hawkeyes at this point have three guys that, that they're going to go to Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, or this weekend, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. No, yeah, it, it is. It, you know, during the, the hot stretch in April, uh, when, you know, I got into the top 25 and, and we're really booking, it's because of the starting pitching. The starting pitching is what gave them a chance. And, and actually, um, week two into this season, this Saturday starter, Jack Dreyer, who, who's just a sophomore, is a really good arm. He's going to be a, probably a draft pick next season. Went down with a shoulder injury, and uh, he's out for the rest of the season. So Camp Bowman has stepped up in that Saturday role and, and done a really nice job in the second week on. Uh, we thought of him as more of a midweek starter, but now in a weekend rotation, he's done a just fine job. And this weekend, that's probably the area that uh, you could look to that struggle the most. Friday night, uh, Cole just didn't have his best stuff. McDonald uh, won about five innings, and then Camp, Camp Allman on Saturday really struggled. Iowa had to run out their six or seven arms. 
uh, to be able to get onto that jam. And then yesterday, uh, the bullpen really struggled. It was Grant Jenkins who had another real nice outing, but uh, they they kept him a little short with his pitch count because they know it's the short week this week with uh, with the Thursday, Friday, Saturday games. So trying to kind of pluck that a little bit, pulled him out early, and that's when the bullpen. Uh, let let the offense really get going for Michigan State. So after the pitching staff had been so solid throughout the last couple of weeks, it was this week where uh, that was kind of the, the bugaboo for Iowa. And and I think what makes this Iowa rotation interesting is that they've got three you know solid guys that can throw out there in three days of the weekend. But what makes it interesting to me is Grant Judkins really has the best numbers on this staff, and and he's been the Sunday guy. What kind of weapon does that? give to the Hawkeyes to throw him out there in game three? Well, you know, it does. It, it knows that you get an opportunity. You always got a chance there in the Sunday game. The problem is is that he hasn't had the run support uh, that he deserves throughout the year. When you look at his win-loss column, it's nothing compared to his ERA, what opponents are batting against him. Um, you know, even when um, Iowa had three consec- the last three consecutive uh, 10 series victories, there were wins from Friday night and Saturday, and they just didn't have the run support to help Grant, who pitched a couple of real nice ball games against Nebraska, against Ohio State, and against um, UC Irvine uh, a couple of weeks ago. So really, it's been the offense that uh, hasn't been able to help him out. He's been really solid though in that Friday, in that Sunday role. It was just kind of a nice right away from the beginning of the season. It was the national pitcher of the week after the very first week in the season. Uh, after just mowing down George Mason early on in this season. But uh, it, he's just been solid. You can't say enough good things about him. And, and been a real nice surprise, I think, for uh, the pitching staff this season. And this pitching staff obviously has him at the end. But a guy you mentioned in Cole McDonald, and, and he seems to be, as a senior, maybe he doesn't have you know the most electric stuff in the Big Ten, but he's a great college pitcher and, and a guy you want on a Friday. You want your senior on a Friday starting off every weekend, it seems. Yeah, he just really sets the tip on that Friday night game, that big type of game feel. And, uh, you know, he started off the season quite rocky, a couple of three-inning games, and just couldn't get past that third inning. He said he, he told me he thought it was a lot more mental, maybe uh, more than other things. So since then, uh, he's done a nice job of settling in and, and being a uh, guy that is just so steady, able to get him through seven innings a lot of times for, you know, they can get to that closer than Grant, Grant Leonard, who's been really good to the back end of the bullpen, too. But, um, no, it is. It's just a, a senior type of mentality who can really set the stage for Friday and really set a message for the entire weekend series. And you just mentioned his name, who I was going to ask you about next. Grant Leonard, 13 saves as this Iowa closer and ERA under two for the right-hander. What makes him just so difficult to hit against in the ninth inning? Well, you know, he's just a, he's a really cool overall story. He's got a great slider now that uh, is, is out pitch that uh, people really struggled with. But he, he's a guy who freshman year back in 2017 uh, won the Big Ten tournament and went to the NCAA tournament. It was you know one of the last guys on the roster that actually, um, when we traveled, didn't have enough uh, spots in, on the traveling roster. So he was you know kind of back helping the managers with some of the cameras and that. And he's turned that into that summer, just getting better, getting that slider pitch. He didn't really have that pitch uh, his freshman year. Turned into a closer last year, and uh, now this year he's tied with the most saves in school history in a single season already. Uh, he's going to look to to be able to um, uh, get that this weekend if he can get his 14th save. But he, he's just been really, really solid. He's 13 for 13 in save opportunities. Went a long time without runs going against him. He's not a guy that's going to overpower you with a 95 mile per hour fastball. His fastball is going to sit around 91 or so, but. Uh, he, he's got a really good slider and out pitch, and he's just, he doesn't let the moment get too big for him in those ninth or eighth innings when, when the game really means something. He, he does a good job of simplifying it, and uh, so far has been solid. And, you know, before they get to Leonard, if they do get a shorter start like, like they got over the weekend against Michigan State, but it's, you know, it's more of a situation where they, they have a lead after a shorter start, who are the other relievers that, that the Hawkeyes rely on and can go to before they get to Leonard? Well, the main guy right away is, is Trace Hoffman. Uh, he's been a guy who, who's been that short reliever, kind of that middle guy on Fridays. And uh, they typically have ran him Friday and then tried to come back with him on Sunday again and, and go starter, then, then Hoffman, then Leonard uh, right into it. Coach Eller 
uh, you know, said something to me on on uh, after the Sunday game because uh, it was the first time that Trace had really struggled. Uh, he allowed uh, five earned runs against Michigan State in that seventh inning that he came into just uh, yesterday. And, and the thing that Coach Heller said was, you know, we've relied on on Hoffman and Leonard just so much this year. You knew at one point things, you know, maybe weren't going to stack out quite right. And he said, you know, we've ran with them so much, used them so much that you're going to have a day like this. And, you know, they're going to break out and get a couple here or there. And uh, that's kind of one of the main guys that you're going to see right away. Uh, and then on the Saturday, you know, again, they're hoping for, for short belief that they're able to go into, you know, Adam Kelson would be a guy maybe that you could see out of the bullpen. Uh, they've got a, a couple of options, but uh, again, that, that believing type, that bullpen type has been kind of a real question mark at times of who's going to be the next guy to, to step up and be able to sit him down. And so would you say going into this series, the, the Maryland offense has been in the top half of the Big Ten this year. So would you say the key to an Iowa series win would be just getting these starters deep into the games and turning it over to really the best guys at the back end of that bullpen? Almost definitely. I think, you know, trying to get through that seventh inning uh, is kind of always the benchmark if they can get through seven and starting pitching. Uh, that really helps. I know that's, you know, asking a lot of those guys every weekend to be able to do that. But uh, it is. It's going to be a little bit shorter of a week uh, for those guys with series starting a day early. But um, if they're able to get deep, that would definitely pay dividends because the starting pitching is, is where the money's at. That's the guys who uh, have been really solid this year. I have to say that. Uh, you know, bullpen doesn't have it. Just those guys have, have been really good, and they've been fun to watch uh, start games. So I think that's going to be the key: is how late those guys can go before they have to look to bullpen. And and this Iowa team, obviously, the 2017 Big Ten tournament champion, so they know what it takes to to win a conference tournament as they get themselves set for the 2019 tournament. But as you've gone around and and spent time with this team this season and called these games against these Big Ten teams, you know, when you look at the standings. There's basically this giant bunch from one to six, and then another huge bunch from seven to twelve of, of the teams kind of put together. And all this seeding and the teams who make the tournament is going to be decided in these three games this weekend. Nothing is decided yet. And when you've watched and called these games, has there been that kind of feeling that you know all these teams this year are really more bunched together than it being one team just kind of running away with a conference? Oh, absolutely. You know, I was I was looking at the standings earlier today and just surprised with, you know, because in on Saturday's game, going into Saturday's game, I was sitting in third place at the conference race, and now after those two losses, you know, they moved down to sixth place. Uh, but a win, you know, they have the tiebreaker against two of those teams above them, so a win could put them back into third place really easily. Uh, this weekend, they can do it. No, there is. There's so much uh, closeness, though, even. Uh, talking to the Michigan State people, you know, they think there's obviously an outside chance they're going to need some help, but uh, they think maybe they've got a shot to get into the tournament too, so it's still anyone's field. And it, it's very rare, I think, whenever we're going into the final weekend, and uh, there's only maybe one, two, or three teams that have actually clinched a spot in the Big Ten tournament, but we still have, you know, there's still um, uh, five places out there that are still unaccounted for. We don't know. It is. It's a really tight field, and in the beginning, you thought that maybe Michigan going into last week and was running away with the with the championship, but then Indiana comes out of nowhere and wins the series. So, I mean, Indiana is going to need some help, but they've still got a shot at uh, getting the regular season title too. And I think what's going to make it really exciting, obviously, this weekend is the one team that's playing their out of conference series this weekend is Penn State, which is the only team who's been eliminated. So all 12 teams playing have something to play for, which should make it a great weekend of Big Ten baseball and and hopefully a great weekend in College Park between the Hawkeyes and the Terps. Yeah, no kidding. It's a, a feel to this year. Uh, we, we didn't see Penn State, but um, we definitely saw Indiana, and, and they were playing like a top 25 team like they are this week. But, uh, you know, I think a lot of these teams, there's not much that separates on any given day. And not only is it going to make this weekend fun, it's going to make that Big Ten tournament really fun when uh, – the season comes out, we see who plays who and, and how it matches up because I think this year, maybe more so than ever, you don't have that dominant team like Minnesota last year, you know, a super regional team. Everyone knew that that was a really, really good team. Uh, I don't know if you have that team this year that uh, is going to run away with it. And and the last thing, do you feel like this Iowa team, if they get hot, could repeat and do what they did in 2017? 
You know, I would never count them out. The, the thing is, is that one thing that's made Coach Heller so effective since he's taken over and, and totally turned around this program is the fact that uh, they always play their best baseball, you know, when it really matters. And they, they their best baseball in May. Uh, that's been kind of the, the MO back in 2017, you know, when they won the tournament. Uh, it wasn't that the regular season was so great or anything, but they, they were playing their best baseball towards the end of the year. So they've been to the championship of the Big Ten tournament, two of the last now three Big Ten tournaments, but you also think that this is like last year when Iowa was two games in and two games out after two quick losses. So I think the real key is just if you can get hot, whatever team is hot, you're playing best baseball, and um, you know you better watch out uh, if a team starts hitting the ball well and, and really gets it feeling that weekend. Well, Zach, thanks a lot for for coming on the podcast this week to teach our uh, our listeners about some Hawkeye baseball before the Hawkeyes come into College Park this weekend. No problem, Connor. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to getting out to Maryland. Our thanks again to the voice of the Hawkeyes, Zach Mackey, for joining us on the podcast this week. And Taylor, Zach talks a lot about this Iowa team, and, and he talked about the bullpen being a little bit of an issue for Iowa. But, but overall, this team, despite not having the power in its offense that we've seen in the past from the Hawkeyes. They have a good offense. He said they're going to bunt a little bit, which isn't going to be great for me, but we'll get through it. Uh, (laughs) They're going to play some small ball, and they're going to pitch it well with their weekend arms. And, you know, this Iowa team, and especially what makes them dangerous, we talked about Grant Judkin on Sunday might be their best starter. But this is a good all-around team, which is why they were in the NCAA tournament at large uh, conversation until maybe that Michigan State series loss hurt them too much. But this is going to be a tough series for the Terps. And, and we knew it going in. The Terps had a tough end of the season to try and get into the Big Ten tournament. You host the team leading the Big Ten in Michigan. You go to the defending champions in Minnesota. And then you play at home maybe one of the best all-around teams in the Big Ten since Maryland joined the conference in Iowa. So, again, it's going to be another tough series for Maryland. This for weekend. sure. And you just look at Iowa's resume. A, win in, a, a series win in Stillwater against Oklahoma State, a historically very good program and who's very good this year. A sweep at home against an Illinois team that's 21 in the RPI, that's a very good series win. Um, They won a series at home against Nebraska, who is potentially an NCAA tournament team. They obviously have one series against two of these teams that Maryland's fighting with in the Big Ten in Ohio State and Purdue. And then they have a home series win against UC Irvine, one of the best teams on the West Coast, who will be an NCAA tournament team as well. That's a heck of a resume um, for a team that, as we talked about, had to replace both of its assistant coaches a couple weeks before the year and doesn't really have the star power of some of the Iowa teams in the past. A couple of years ago, Jake Adams, Robert Neustrom, um, one of the best players in the Big Ten. They had a guy in Joel Booker in 2016 who who had a star turn in the 2016 Big Ten tournament. They don't really have those guys this year. But you look at the pitching staff and you you have the, the, the starters in Judkins, McDonald, Bauman, who have been very good. And then Grant Leonard is one of the best relievers in the Big Ten. The 13 saves is a very flashy number. But you look throughout his stats, 30 Ks and 29 and two-thirds. A 250 batting average against fine, not great, fine for a reliever. Um, but he clearly gets it done in his 24 appearances at the 1.282 ERA. Um, as you talked about, they maybe have a little trouble getting to him, but if they can get to him with the lead, the game seems to be over. Um, only one loss on the season for Leonard. So they've, they've got a pretty good team, and as, as I've seen from Iowa since we've been in this conference, and the Terps have played them enough to get a really good read on their program under Rick Heller. They're always very well coached. The moment never gets too big for them, and they just continue to grind out. They, they're they're going to compete um, all nine innings, all 27 outs. You're going to get a lot of compete from these Iowa programs. They do not from this Iowa program. They do not ever fold. Um, they've got a lot of blue collar baseball players down there in Iowa City. So it's going to be a very tough series for the Terps. Uh, they're going to have to play well. And uh, Iowa, as we talked about, going to be fired up. We laid out their scenarios before. They are trying to win enough games to get into the NCAA tournament. A thing that their program has not done a lot in the past. Has done a couple of times over the last few years with some quality teams. But that, that's no. That's not an accomplishment. They're just going to give away. Um, so they're going to really come in with a ton of fire this weekend. Terps are going to have to play well. Yeah, and you talked about this as one of the more complete teams, all-around teams, and again, just so well coached, just there every year. The consistency is big for them in the Big Ten. And on the Terps side, it really seems like if the Terps can get the pitching, especially from the starters that they got against Minnesota, good start from Parsons, good start after the first from Thompson, and a great combination between Blome and Levante on Sunday. If the Terps can get that kind of pitching, you feel like they're going to be set up well this weekend. You know, the offense had back-to-back uh, quiet games 
with this offense the Terps have, it's probably not going to be more than two quiet games in a row. You think they're going to start hitting again this weekend. But the pitching, which has been such an issue for the Terps over the past month, kind of came back together in Minneapolis. And unfortunately, the Terps couldn't get a series win. But, Taylor, if they do get that same pitching again, Rob Vaughn's team and Corey Muscara's pitching staff, it feels like even though Iowa is such a well-put-together team, the Terps will have a chance at the series win, which is obviously pivotal. The Terps playing for their 2019 season right now and, and playing for those four seniors. For sure, and that, and obviously you do have that senior day on Saturday while the Terps will honor Taylor Wright, A.J. Lee, Hunter Parsons, and John Murphy, four guys that have contributed a ton to this program and contributed a lot to this team this year really four of maryland's best players um they're gonna have they're gonna have to put it lay it all on the field this weekend um, with the rest of their guys to get a series win here obviously we've seen maryland at times have huge wins um the series win against illinois showed they could compete with the best of the big 10 friday night win against paulie milto in indiana um the really great friday or first game in, of saturday performance against ohio state maryland's come up with big performances in some big spots in the past northwestern winning a series there that game comes back as a game that could have gone either way Maryland was able to get the win on the first game of that series Maryland just has to you have to go back to all these experiences you've had throughout the season when you were going through adversity when you're coming into a big spot you got to take all that and you got to translate it to a place where quite frankly the Terps have not protected home field that great this week great this year they have to do it this weekend you need contributions one through nine in the lineup and everyone in that pitching staff's got to ready to be ready to get out so that's really all that it comes down to that this is one of those things where you go throughughout the year and you break down how teams match up and things like that and that all matters a series like this is just going to be what team wants it more i mean it's cliche to say that but that sometimes comes down um to that it's going to be who wants it more in terms of the, comp the compete level Terps are just 8-15 at the Bob this season. They've only won one series at home. That was the sweep against Maine all the way back in February. Have not won a home Big Ten series yet. So the Terps are going to have to turn that around this weekend if they want to get themselves into the Big Ten tournament. Those three games this weekend, of course, a little bit of a schedule change in the final weekend of the Big Ten. The conference likes to give the teams an extra day off before the Big Ten tournament starts next Wednesday. So this will be a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series at Bob Turtlesmith Stadium this weekend. The Thursday night game is at 6.30 p.m. Terps pregame starts at 6 o'clock here on the Maryland Baseball Network. You'll see Hunter Parsons out there for the Terps in what he hopes is not his final start in a Maryland uniform. Then Friday, back-to-back 6.30 games. Friday night, 6.30 p.m. again, 6 o'clock for the pregame show. And then Senior Day on Saturday, the final game of the series. Terps could be playing on that day, on the final day, for a spot in the Big Ten tournament. That is a 2 o'clock first pitch, 1.30 for the pregame show. Terps, of course, will honor Hunter Parsons, John Murphy, A.J. Lee, and Taylor Wright, and our senior manager, Michael Salzberg, before the game. He's currently sleeping on the bus. Yes, he is, but he will be honored on Senior Day as well. As the Terps will honor their seniors and look to keep their <laughs> seniors' careers going and get to the Big Ten Tournament. So I want to thank Zach Mackey, the voice of the Iowa Hawkeyes, for joining us this week to talk some Hawkeye baseball ahead of the series this week. And, of course, Taylor, I want to thank you for coming on episode number 69 of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. I know this isn't your first time, but I hope you enjoyed being back on the pod this week. I always do, Connor. I love the pod. absolutely love the pod, and it's just a nice time to be here on episode 69. It really is. You can't say it much better than that. So, again, three games this weekend, 6.30 Thursday, 6.30 Friday, and 2 o'clock Saturday against Iowa. You can find all the coverage on the Maryland Baseball Network. If you were a little confused by our Big Ten Tournament Scenario breakdown earlier, you can I still see am. it all laid out on our website at the MarylandBaseballNetwork.com. A full breakdown, the cheat sheet on there of the Terps Big Ten Tournament scenarios so again thanks to zach Mackey, thanks to taylor smythe i'm your host connor newcomb saying we hope you enjoyed episode number 69 of the maryland baseball network podcast and we hope you join us this weekend for three games at the bob against the iowa hawkeyes and the terps regular season finale as the terps try to play their way into the big 10 tournament so this has been the maryland baseball network podcast and we thank you so much for listening <laughs>